0: Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot.
1: As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult.
0: But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.
2: Forgiveness. Spiritual obesity. Spiritual obesity. What is spiritual obesity? Now, these are for my new listeners. What is spiritual obesity? Is it a, a term that you can find in a dictionary? Is this some is it in some type of biblical lexicon or Studies or anything like that. The answer to that is no, that's a definition for my new listeners. Oh, my curiosity listeners that I've made up spiritual obesity. Now, let me uh, break down what I mean about that. Then I'm going to get into the show. I know this is a very strange way of opening up a program. But I'm going to get back to that. Spiritual obesity obesity you know what the term obesity means usually overweight and people with bad health and stuff like that or uh it's usually overweight that leads to bad health because of bad eating or bad you know diets or different things like that obesity leads to a lot of bad health physical health and mental you know when it comes to obesity so you have some type of uh awareness or definition of what uh obesity means. Now, let's talk about spiritual obesity. This is just a term I made up. Now, I'm not saying nobody never used this before. At least I, I never heard it. But this is just something I just connected together. And I was just saying, well, it kind of reminds, it kind of looks like, Uh, Physical obesity When you talk about the church When you get into traditions and dogmas And you know And different type of things that's been taught Or promoted in your church Your denomination Denominational church And then I looked at it like this uh, Even through my experience All the things that I have Sucked in Good and bad Because not all of it was bad I would be lying if I say that Good and bad that I have traditionally sucked up in in my my uh in my early years until I became a believer, until I I got saved and became part of the body of Christ, because before that of course my spirit was dead, but I I still uh, had my soul and my mind, so I still sucked up a lot of traditions. But when I became a believer, when I became a uh, a Christian it affected me more it affected me spiritually when it came to uh church doctrines and denominational doctrines and programs and potions and stuff like that that uh, a lot of churches throw at their congregation when you when I learned and was taught how to rightly Divide God's word. Now, I was taught about dispensationalism because I never heard that word in my life. A little over close to four and a half years ago, I never heard of that term dispensation. Uh, when I was taught how to rightly divide God's word uh, dispensationally, I, for the first time, the Apostle Paul's mystery was revealed to me. Now, what, why do I say the first time? Is I've read several of Paul's letters over and over again through my Christian life over 30-something years. I read several of the Apostle Paul's letters and never seen that concept of mystery. Now, I never seen it spiritually. My physical ass seen it, but I just went right over it. I had to. I never caught that. All that time that I was reading Apostle Paul, because Apostle Paul, besides Jesus, was always one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And that's no joke. It was something about the Apostle Paul that really touched me in my early Christian life, even today. But I know more today about the Apostle Paul. But back then, Paul always touched me. It was something about his his love and his grittiness and his toughness and how he just stood up. And he seemed to be alone the way he stood up, what he believed in. So that that touched me about Paul. So Paul was also was always in my Christian walk because I didn't know too much about him before I got saved. And uh as someone I would love to follow, someone that I would trust, someone that really loves Jesus. But at the same time, he's no nonsense. You 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 understand what I'm saying? So I, I I always had an attachment to the readings of the Apostle Paul, but all that time because I read the Bible over and over repetitiously, even before I learned how to rightly divide. I because I used to teach Bible study and stuff. Then in Mobile, Alabama, and whatever like that, I used to do Bible study and lead group sessions and stuff. Then I I ministered in a pulpit. I had, you know, different things that I was doing. So I'm not new to this dance. So, but all that reading the word of God, especially the letters of Paul, I never put two to two together about another gospel about uh, a, a mystery. I had no idea because I was traditionally Programmed, and it's almost like, it sounds like you was like I was like hypnotized to believe all the teachings were Paul, Peter, the four Gospels, Jesus, earthly ministry, and stuff like that. And you know they was the same, even though they didn't sound the same all the time. And I didn't even pay that no attention. I just blindly put it. And believe that they all Taught the same things In my young Christian life I don't know if you've been there or not I don't know what denomination you are in But that's when I was A young Christian I've been saved over 30 something years But I've been learning How to rightly divide God's word Going close to a little over four and a half years Close to five now I believe I could be wrong But it's something like that So you see Okay, some people might be wondering, now, Joe, you've been saved all that long. What do you mean four and a half years of learning how to rightly divide God's word? Let me explain this the best way I can when I keep saying it. I want people to know what I'm talking about. I was saved over 30-something years, but the majority of those 30-something 30, those 30 years was set And believing and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, Israel's program. See? Because I looked at the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, I knew about the body of Christ, no doubt, because Paul, I always often knew Paul always talked about the body of Christ. But at the same time, I didn't still put it together. I just assumed Peter and them talked about the body of Christ too, even though I never heard them. I just read it blindly. I just took what I was taught by different pastors and ministers and something like that and just assumed without even researching the different lingo and the different uh, doctrines of Peter and Paul and Jesus' earthly ministry compared to Jesus' heavenly ministry. And by me doing that, the majority of my Christian life now, I'm saved now. I always believe Jesus' uh, death, burial, resurrection. I always believed in that, that he died for our sins. I, I, I always believed that, but not to the point that my eyes was open when I learned how to dispensationally rightly divide God's word and understand the importance of Paul being the apostle of the Gentiles. See, all that came after I was red peeled, if I can say that. Of learning how to rightly divide through different brothers of grace in Christ, Feldix, Robert Breaker, and you know different others in Christ and everything I learned uh, about because I kept seeing that name dispensation. What does that mean? And I I was listening to this teacher Robert Breaker that I don't listen to a lot now, but he's still pretty good at some of his concepts. I think he read into a lot of things a lot, but uh, but he's pretty good. He breaks down things pretty good, so he's a pretty good teacher. Uh, Not someone I will watch every day, but I will watch him over any other uh, denominational preacher out there, you know, because he understands dispensationalism more than a lot of grace teachers. And uh, but when he was putting that up on board, dispensationalism, I just looked at his videos because he does videos. He's on YouTube. Nothing fancy. He has a little tie on and his little shirt, maybe the dress code is still from that Baptist background, I believe. He lives out in Pensacola, Florida. So his background on YouTube, he have his white short sleeve shirt or long sleeve, his tie and he have a big white board and he, he does a lot of drawing and breaks it down and he's pretty good at that and explaining things. you know. But like I said, he reads into a lot of things a lot too. And I know he means well, but he's pretty good. You know, he's one. He's still he's still, to me, worth listening to. I'm not I haven't got away from him like I have other uh, grace and dispensational teachers. I still once in a while look at Robert Breaker. Uh, But I have more of stronger mentors and teachers, even though they don't even know that and don't even know me. I had talked to one on the phone before and uh, uh, one and that man that's taught me a lot is his name is true trey searcy from truth time radio and not only him uh but Les Feldick, you know and you know those two just have really been my mentors and teachers in my life and my my growth and learning how to write a divide god's words those two stands out trey searcy who i know you never heard of and he's worth listening to from true the time radio and Les Feldick that has a show. He passed away uh sometime in April, I believe, at ninety six, uh, through the Bible with Les Feldick. And uh they, they these two teachers is not a cup of tea to a lot of Protest uh different type of Protestant and denominational type of teachers because they straight out break down uh the word of God as well as anybody that I know without allegories and in your windows and exegesis and all this. I mean, you know, they break down the word of God. Like I have never been taught before. And that opened up my eyes more of knowing the difference, not only between the kingdom church and the grace church, but also Jews and Gentiles. Well, anyway, anyway, Why? The reason I'm 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 saying this uh right now, this series I'm doing about spiritual obesity, all I'm trying to show the ones that's listening to me, and I don't know everything. I'm, I'm still learning myself. As I learn, I teach, as I teach, I learn. Okay. When I'm trying to show the ones that downloads my show and uh uh, lots of words. What I'm trying to show you guys. When I teach. I have been taught. And. These guys taught me in a sense that made me search the Bible even more. See. And. I don't even have to go through all the books of the Bible now because I know all the books of the Bible is not. Uh, for me. Now that does not mean I don't read them, cause they are, they are for history, and therefore they're inspired by God, so we should read the whole Bible. Most definitely. You cannot put everything together if you don't read the whole Bible. You won't know the history of the Jews if you don't read them the whole Bible. You don't know why, how we was able to get what we are, the Gentiles, I'm talking about, if it wasn't for the fall of the Jews. We wouldn't know, I wouldn't know none of that, so the Bible is a storybook. You must read it as a storybook, but...
0: Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As
1: easy as pie?
0: Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin.
1: As easy as a stroll in the park.
2: You must, you and I must learn how to rightly divide it. You understand what I'm saying? And that's been an issue with a lot of denominations now. It's just like everything is in a big gumbo bowl of mass confusion. (laughs) Big gumbo bowl of mass confusion. You remember uh, the Iraq war, the first one? Weapons of mass destruction. There's a lot of weapons of mass confusion in the Bible. you know, Not in the Bible, but in denominationalism. You know, Trey Searcy calls it Twistianity. Study Christianity, Trey Searcy from Truth Time Radio calls it Twistianity, you know, because it's a lot of twisting the scriptures. It's a lot of allegories being used. It's a lot of metaphors. It's a lot of man-made traditional eyes on in these denominational churches. And that's what brings a lot of spiritual overweightness. See, because they miss the kingdom program, uh, the law, with the grace, the to- uh, Jesus earthly ministry and the twelve apostles, with the uh, grace program, the gospel, of the grace of God, First Corinthians fifteen one to four, Paul's grace program, and they mix them all together. And when you do that, it makes your stomach hurt spiritually. So this is what I mean. The church, uh, the body of Christ. Now, before I go any further, you might hear the heater in the background. I mean the air condition, so it might have got a little loud. And uh, the timing is bad, but the area I'm in, that's the air condition on. So you, this might affect the... Audio. I hope it don't affect it much, and uh, I apologize for that. But that's what you hear now in the background. Uh, the air conditioning is on. But like I was saying, what what I mean about spiritual overweight believers? I'm not talking about physical overweight, even though that's an issue in the church as well, including myself. But spiritual overweight is mean it means that the church through years have been eating a lot of bad doctrine. They've been fed and consuming a lot of bad doctrine. Okay, you, 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 you see how I'm trying to compare that with a physical overweight or physical overeating? I'm using it in a spiritual sense. When I talk about in my last uh, series about the high carbohydrates, too many high carbohydrates compared to protein, the church doesn't have enough spiritual sound doctrine protein, but they have too much of high carbohydrates or high false doctrine or traditional doctrine or old doctrine that does not exist anymore, added on with man made traditional doctrines. So it makes the church overweight. It's just like eating too much and consuming too much sugar. The church consumes too much spiritual sugar, too much bad doctrine. You, you follow what I'm saying now. That's why I call it spiritual obesity, and what I'm doing through this series. I'm, I went through the, the early church, not. Uh, after the apostles I talked about the background you know the gap what happened after the last apostle died which was John but I'm talking about through Paul where did his followers go I got into that and those was a couple of podcasts down and uh, I got into a lot of traditional startings with Martin Luther, John Calvin and the Catholic Church etc and stuff like that so I went all the way through that to, uh, to try to uh bringing a world awareness of the build up of the different type of junk that we have been eating through denominationalism and the Protestant church and it kind of bounces off because of the Catholic church or the Protestant mm-hmm. church. So it started somewhere while we believe what we believe. While we believe what we believe. Okay, let me get to this. Now the last few podcasts i've been talking about uh the difference between the new t- uh, the new testament and the old testament or the covenants what you want to call them i talked about that and everything i was just talking about different aspects like that did i got into signs and wonders and miracles and stuff like that is it for the church today my conclusion came that it is not that don't mean god cannot do it or god is not capable of doing it we wanted to know why he's not doing it or should he do it or could he do it. See, it's not about that. It's why he's not doing it what made me come to this conclusion when you understand the differences of the two programs. The kingdom program, Jesus' earthly ministry and the 12 compared to the grace program, the Apostle Paul and his followers. See, that's very important and that's why I came that far away you know you know trying to build up the best I can the dangers of bad traditions because I don't want nobody I don't want nobody to think all traditions is bad but the dangers of bad doctrine will make that's what has the church spiritually overweight bad doctrine it's not sound it's bad doctrine because the majority of the church keep, uh, teaches the kingdom program. Which puts them right back under the law, because a lot of churches think they are replacement Israel. They believe in their replacement theology. They believe they are replacement Israel. That's why they teach the way they teach, even though they don't get no results. They fake it till they try to make it. But they—that's why the uh, most pr- Protestant church and the Catholic churches teach the way they teach now. Okay, now what I left off the other day with. And I'm just going to talk a little bit today And keep this short Because Lord's willing tomorrow I'm going to get more into Scriptures and verses And really put this thing about forgiveness Onto the test And Why do I have such a passion Besides salvation on how to be saved This is one of the most to me Important things That a believer and an unbeliever need to know is are their sins forgiven? Are their sins forgiven? Now, I'm talking about they as the unsaved. Believers know their sins is forgiven. But what a believer have, uh, uh, most believers in the church today is confused about Is they don't know when their sins was forgiven. They they the majority of the church believe their sins was forgiven after salvation. They believe it was something they had to do by confessing their sins or somewhat repenting of sins. And some people even go as far as being baptized in water. Many don't go that route now, but that's you know my point. It was always often well often a works that they had to do. To get their sins forgiven see they had to repent or they had to confess and a lot of that way of approach to get your sins forgiven is is just a traditional approach uh in church and also part of the kingdom program the way it used to be and if you listen to my show the other day I, i went back into the old law and I talked about the way that the Jews had, the way they used to have to get their sins forgiven, Forgiving was an atonement. They had to have a certain sacrifice. So we read a few of the scriptures from Exodus, and I think we left off in Leviticus 16 and different things like that, which I'm not going to read out that today. I'm going to get back more into that Lord's willing tomorrow because I'm going a, I'm to a take it to the ministry of Paul's ministry and that program of forgiveness, okay? But what I want to give you a taste, what I want to do is give you a taste about forgiveness before I give you the verses and the scriptures uh, scriptures because there are so many and it's important for you to have a pen and paper to write these down. So I'm going to wait till tomorrow and really get the verses and scriptures and everything like that, okay? But what I, I just want to talk about the term forgiveness again. I said earlier in my last podcast, the majority. Oh, I hope this air conditioner doesn't mess up this podcast because it is pretty loud. The majority of the believers and the unsaved know the definition of being forgiven. They know we're forgiven. And we do we forgive, well, not all of us, but many people In your lifetime, since you have been alive alive through men and adulthood, you have forgiven somebody, at least I hope you have, or somebody have forgiven you. So, Or you've been taught that. You know the term about forgiveness. What you and I might have an issue with, or what we don't understand is, when you forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean... Okay, let me put it this way. you in a relationship and your lady treated you wrong or you wind up a divorce or something she done or something he done in a marriage. You divorce. You was angry. Whichever one's the husband or the wife, you was angry, Okay. But you got to the point you got tired of being angry. And you wanted to make amends. Not get back together. You're not going there, but you wanted to make amends. So what that wife or what that husband done to you that hurt you so bad, you wanted to forgive them regardless. You wanted to forgive them. Okay? So you forgave them, all right? For what they've done to you. They hurt you. You forgave them. The slate is clean. You forgave them. That's, that's gone now. Now, that does not mean that you want to get back with them. You don't want to get, that does not mean y'all finna start the relationship again. You just forgave them. See? A lot of forgiveness. Now you have some forgiveness that does when people get back together over forgiveness. They reconcile. You see them I'm talking about? They reconcile. See, look at, look at the two forgivenesses that way. One forgiveness is you forgave a person, but you don't mean you're going to trust them to be your buddy, you're not going to trust her or him in your life or relationship. You know, somebody done something wrong to you. Not, you don't want to be back with them. You forgave them, but that's it. Then you have the other forgiveness. You forgave them because you want a relationship back with them. You want to reconcile back with them. So you see the different ways of forgiveness. It's like that when it comes to the church. The two different types of forgiveness and the two programs. It's something like that. Okay? That we must understand when it comes to the two Programs of forgiveness that's why I I went back and the uh, the recommendations what the Jews had to do to be forgiven by God of their sins they had to do an atonement they had to make a sacrifice to be forgiven and they had to continue to do that at a certain time if they sin again or they can do it for their family like I was talking about Leviticus 16 with Aaron see they had to do sacrifices or they had to make burnt offerings and different things like that for their what for their sins see it was conditional it was works it's something they had to do you you understand it's something they had to do now when it comes to the church today the body of Christ the teachings that was revealed to Paul the mystery teaching the 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 uh the, uh, what we must do for forgiveness today to be forgiven by God is nothing you say Joe nothing nothing we don't, have, we don't have to do any sacrifices burnt offerings atonements and nothing like that why because Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for the world the finished the finish work of Christ he was the ultimate sacrifice, listen to me carefully now when he was resurrected he rose again he revealed the finished work of the cross to the Apostle Paul and I said before he never revealed it to
1: Chumbacasino.com
2: No one else Peter and the twelve No one else Jesus knew about it But he did not reveal it to them Because Jesus is God Because he knew The disobedience and whatever Jesus knew the program Okay And uh, <clears throat> What was revealed to Paul Was a whole new Program it was revealed to Paul little by little that the finished work of cross. Jesus said it is finished, no one really understood that they preached that in church, but they didn't understood the deepness of it until Paul revealed it in his letters, especially 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 he revealed it he got it revealed to him by the risen Christ the finished work of Christ. That's why it's called uh, the finished work of Christ. The fullness wasn't revealed when He died on that cross. When He said, "It is finished." Okay, what was finished? We was assuming because we stayed in the Gospels. We never understood what the what Jesus really meant when He said, "It is finished." Okay, a lot of ministers and believers. How they look at it like this including with the way I used to it is finished okay? We, that means Jesus is finished it is all done he took care of the sins of the world many believers believe that already he took care of the sins of the world he forgiven the world of their sins but somewhere there's a mix up and the confusion came that yes he forgave the world for their sins but they must be saved first for that to happen you you see where I'm going with that traditionally Satan mixed it up so bad in the church to have us to believe yeah Jesus died for the world and our sins but we must be saved first for that to take fulfillment that was the tradition. Traditionally, traditional way the majority of the churches was taught. That's why they teach that way. Confessing your sins, repenting and everything, even though you could ask them, are we saved by grace alone? Sure, are we saved by faith alone? Yes, we are. Did Jesus die for the whole world? Yes, he did. But... See, that's the thing, that butt got up in there. See, what is part of that but? The part of that but is the kingdom program. It's the mixed up with the kingdom and the grace program. They can't seem to separate those two. The kingdom program, Jesus' earthly ministry and the 12 apostles, and the grace program, the apostle Paul, faith alone. See, one was law. You must confess your sins. One well, was grace. You don't have to confess no sins because there's no sins to confess, cause God Jesus took care of that with the finished cross. You you see the difference. Before the finished cross, you had to confess your sins to God. Other Jews did. They had to keep repenting, changing their mind for the remission of sins. Now what does that mean the remission of sins? They sins was forgiven for their past sins that they have done. It wasn't for past, present, and future because their future sins is going to be forgiven in the New Testament during the Millennium Kingdom as a nation. You see what I'm saying? So when they uh, done their atonements their sins was forgiven for their present and past sins when Jesus came back to uh, identify himself as the Messiah as the king they had to believe who he was because he haven't died yet that's why you can't get saved by John 3 16 Jesus haven't died yet he was still on earth see John three sixteen has nothing to do with the death burial resurrection of Jesus because Jesus was still alive for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him believeth in him the majority of the gospels talk about believing who Jesus was not in his death burial resurrection because that was never revealed to them it was kept hidden to them he could talk to them plainly and they still couldn't get it the little flock the 12 i I'm talking about so the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel are not the same. One gospel is when Jesus was walking on earth and continued through the book of Acts. The other one is when Jesus died and rose again. You you see the difference the two different programs. You have Jesus earthly ministry and you have Jesus heavenly ministry. See? All right? And that's the setup now. The kingdom program is set up for the thousand year millennial kingdom on earth. The heavenly program is set up for the heavenly places. You see the two differences. One group of people on earth, another group of people will be in the heavenly places, which is the church today, the body of Christ. There are two programs. Until you get that straight, you're going to continue to be confused. And you're going to be still confused on that forgiveness part. See? Now, I'm trying to make it as simple as I as a, it's simple to me and it's beautiful and wonderful because it helps my witness to the unsaved now I don't have to keep throwing it and need to repent and get your sins together first I used to I used to I used to to had men of god teach me and show me verses see you got to show me scriptures and verses and I can't I don't care what traditional thought because I'm always searching you know you can show me if it's plain and simple I'm not finna try to change God's word if it's something I can't understand, then you might have to just line it over, other, you know, uh, connecting dots and references in the word of God. But when something is very clear, like Second Corinthians 5 and 19, God is not imputing any trespasses against the world. That's plain and simple. He's not charging nobody with sin under this dispensation. That's plain. I don't need to try line it up with other scriptures to, uh, and stuff like that. What that see when people do that, that's the traditional talk about it's that 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 traditional program uh uh dogma that's keeping them from seeing that simple truth or an accepting it. They know it's true but they don't wanna accept it. It's not even about belief no more. It's about accepting it. <clears throat> And what they do, they're literally choosing to believe that denominational belief or what the word of God has plainly said. They could be very on key on everything else, but that forgiveness, ah, that brings a division in the church when it shouldn't have to. Because the beautiful thing about it, that's good news for the believers and it's good news for the unsaved. Because whether you believe it or not, You cannot be safe if you weren't forgiven first. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, something in my throat. Something in my throat. See, the enemy don't want me to teach this. The enemy don't want me to teach this. (coughs) Forgiveness. Let me me repeat myself because that's not going to stop me. Brothy, you believe it or not, you could not be saved. The ones that are saved today, whoever's listening to me, if you are a believer and you believe that way, forgiveness first. You wasn't. You're not saved. If you believe that way, you <clears throat> you would not be. You would not have. You would not have been able to be saved if you wasn't forgiven first. I'm gonna have some scriptures, more verses in scriptures. <clears throat> to back that up but I just want to talk to you and get you prepared for the next show about forgiveness all right before I end the series <clears throat> you could not be saved as a believer if you wasn't forgiven first examples is what the scriptures I showed you to do what did the Jews have to do when forgiveness conditional forgiveness was on the line they had to be what forgiven first and the only way they had to be only way they can be forgiven is atonement through the offerings the burnt offerings and the sacrifices they had to make under the law under the covenant and going through the kingdom program that was the requirement then you see what I'm saying but what had to happen for them to be forgiven the shedding of the blood you see what I'm saying the shedding of the blood then after the shedding of the blood and they had to do it precise and they had to do it exactly you know the way God said that it needed to be done it had to be exactly that way for their sins to be forgiven first before they could be reconciled back to God okay The atonement. Keep your mind on atonement. So when Jesus died and he rose again, when he said it is finished, that's when he gave up the ghost, according to the word of God. When he died, he was an example of what Israel used to do for the shedding of the blood, the blood of Jesus, for what? Forgiveness of Israel's sins. The difference is, this Jesus, when he died, said it is finished. Same routine, okay? Listen closely. He gave it up. He was the sacrificial lamb for who? The world was it wasn't? But it was not revealed until the uh, the the other side of the cross when he revealed it to the apostle Paul, and Paul taught it. That. That's part of Paul's message: the cross. When Paul teaches the cross, he's talking about the finished work of Christ for the world. The sacrifices back then was for individual sins. Christ's sacrifice was for the world's sins. Past tense. Nothing to do with salvation. Let me say this again. The Jews' sacrificial sacrificial atonement was for individual sins and family sins and etc. cetera, stuff like that. For them to be reconciled back to God or oh God to even reconcile back to them. See, look at Jesus symbolically. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb for the world, Jews and Gentiles. Past tense, over 2,000 years ago. That's very important to understand that. So when it comes to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, Jesus was the sacrifice. He took away the world's sins. He revealed that to Paul. The world's sins was put on that cross. The world's sins was checked because Jesus would never be sacrificed again. He don't have to keep doing like the Israel. He was the one and last sacrificial lamb for the world. For the world. He took all the weights and everyone sins upon himself, and sprinkled it in the heavenly places, the altar in the heavenly places symbolically, okay, and uh, uh, to us. But he done that sacrifice in the heavenly place, and that satisfied God for the world. Therefore, Second Corinthians uh, five and eighteen, God. Was able to reconcile himself to the world now just like he done with the Jews when they sacrificed animals and burnt offerings to him then. You see the picture. You see that picture. That's how the world was able to be forgiven 2,000 years ago. Their sins are forgiven. They are wiped clean. That's the penalty-wise. Now, that has nothing to do with their nature. That has nothing to do with they'll never sin it again because they will. See, it has to do with God is not charging or imputing sins against the world. God is not forgiving sins no more under grace because he has no sins to forgive you for because they've already been taken care of by Jesus Christ, the atonement. For the world, you, uh, you understand what I'm saying now?
0: Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as...
1: As easy as pie?
0: Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin.
1: As easy as a stroll in the park.
2: And you can argue me with, with me and throw scriptures, you still, you, you can't, it's, you're still not going anywhere. The confusion is that believers is stuck on believing that forgiveness of sins is a means for salvation. That's the issue. That's why they are so dog and hard on believing that and accepting that because of traditions and the spiritual obesity that they have grew up with. Thinking forgiveness of sins and equals salvation. It does not. What forgiveness of sins does it allows God just like in the law program back then it allows God to reconcile himself back to the world now salvation comes to that individual when they reconcile themselves back to God which they you know most people have not by what? believing what Jesus done for them his death, burial, resurrection has nothing to do with forgiveness now we're talking about salvation now listen closely then I'm going to let you go we're talking about salvation so if you stuck in believing how could a person I, I, uh, Trey Searcy was playing one of his old tapes and this young man was stuck on the kingdom the past in which he was correct now, let me tell you what he said he was stuck on sin you see how dangerous it is and the grace to have such a sin conscience and under grace it's not about your sin it's about your belief that's hard for us to believe that's hard for the human psyche to understand but that does not make it not true because God is all powerful omnipresent all knowing see he said now this is is another one of the confusions with the church also not only this young man he said the ones, if everybody's sins was forgiven, <clears throat> you are saying that even the ones that died back in the past, you know, the uh, the Old Testament, whatever like that, some of the old, somewhat believers under the program, whatever like that, you, you in other words, in his mind he was saying when they died, that means they died in their sins. See how he's still stuck on sins? Let me tell you the truth. And what, and what Trey Cersei broke down, which is so profound, is you are correct. Before Paul's ministry, before the finished work of the cross was revealed to the Apostle Paul, under the kingdom program, and before anyone that died then yes they did die in their sins they did die in their sins how come they died in their sins because there was under the law that was the law that was a different dispensation see that was a different dispensation I mean that was a different program that was a different administration so anybody before Paul before Jesus revealed uh, the gospel of the grace of Paul you know, within 25 years, anyone before that program died in their sins. Remember Jesus said, if you don't believe who I am, you would die in your sins. Remember Jesus said that several times in the, in the four gospels? You would die in your sins if you don't believe that he is he. See, it was a matter of them believing who Jesus was. If they did not believe that, they would die what? in their sins. You see? They would die in their sins. But under grace, listen closely. Under grace, no one is dying in their sins because all our sins pass present and future was laid on Jesus so no one under the grace period the body of Christ or the unsaved does not die in their sins they die because of their unbelief of what Jesus did you you see the difference the past yes you die in your sins by not believing who Jesus was but under grace we don't have to believe who Jesus was we believe what Jesus did and if an unbeliever died today he's not dying in his sins he's dying because of unbelief you see the difference because sin is not the issue under grace let me say that again under grace sin is not the issue it's your unbelief also under grace. Forgiveness does not equal salvation. You could still go to hell and many will by being forgiven. Remember I just gave that little analogy of the stories about forgiveness? How some people can forgive you, but they don't want to be reconciled back to you. They just forgave you. And then you have the ones that's been forgiven to be reconciled. You, You see that. Under grace, God forgave everyone, he's not charging, or uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 say he's not charging anyone with sins, but you go to the above verses, see 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, God reconciled himself to the world God reconciled himself to the world. The world reconciled itself back to God. God reconciled himself to the world because those doors are open. There's no sin on the world now. Reconciling himself to the world doesn't mean he saved everybody. He just gave you a chance now to be saved. To be reconciled back to him because he reconciled himself back to world. to the world doesn't automatically mean the world is reconciled back to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is God reconciling himself, not the world. He done all what he had to do. Now he's reconciled back to the world. Now the world got to be reconciled back to him. You, you see... What's going on? And how they, how could they be reconciled back to God? By believing what Jesus done, not for the sins. So everybody today, since 2,000 years, sins have been forgiven. God is not judging no one for sins. And I'm going to give you another example. If God was still in the sin business today, America and a lot of other countries probably would have been wiped out by now because you know how God came down on nations because of sin and individuals if God was still judging people for their sins I know a lot of people think he I know he's not see if you listen to the Calvinists and you listen to that type of teaching it sounds like God is picking seat certain countries and certain individuals and certain babies and certain men and women and killing them but leaving others do that make any sense this a God of favoritism. He's nitpicking. That ain't the God I serve. I don't want to serve a God like that. If God was judging sin today, this world would be, not, not, be, be, be destroyed. See, that time is coming after the church is gone, then grace is gone, then the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation. Then God, once again, like he done in the past, is going to pull down his wrath And any sin that's committed then... God is going to come down hard on it... Because there's no more grace now... Do you see the difference? That's the purpose of... Why he's coming down hard in the tribulation... If there was no... If there was a sin issue today... The tribulation would be... Today... (laughs) See... The tribulation would be today... If there was no grace... If God's grace... He didn't do that with the Apostle Paul the tribulation would have started and Jesus would have set up his millennium kingdom there would have never been no grace period that's why Paul's messages are called the mysteries because they was never revealed nowhere else to no man in the Bible that's that's what I missed then that's what many people are missing now the mystery the master plan of Satan was to confuse people today and the church today about the gospel of the grace of God. Many people thought they understood grace, including myself. We people made songs, I forget his name, uh the former slave owner Amazing Grace. How great they are, stuff like that. They sung it but didn't understand it. The deepness of God's grace is that all sins have been forgiven now you can be saved that's the icing on the cake when it comes to amazing grace it's deeper than God's unmerited favor we don't understand that his grace is that he forgiven everyone for their sins because what Jesus done everyone ain't saved, but everyone is forgiven. Let me say this again. Everybody in the world is not saved, but everybody in the world is forgiven. That's Paul's message. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ Real Talk. i got so much more to talk about. I'm just giving you Walk through before I get into these verses and scriptures and stuff like that because when I get through, you're gonna have to come up, you're gonna have to test your faith, and you're gonna have to come up to an understanding. You're gonna believe God or your denominational belief when the word is right there. And I got some verses to show you, it ain't like I don't quote them a lot anyway. See, it was hard for me to swallow. But I was seeking. I knew something wasn't right. Now, it was hard for me to swallow when I learned how to rightly divide God's word. I understand forgiveness so clear now. And I, it's easier for me to talk to somebody about Jesus now because I ain't got to keep them on a sin conscious because it ain't got nothing to do with their sins. But even they have a hard time and will have a hard time accepting that. See, the thing about it, whether you believe it or not you still forgive him it ain't got nothing to do with some like some ministers say yeah you have to believe it first I, he's, I heard some of my favorite teachers say that once you believe it no it ain't got nothing to do with you believing it when it comes to forgiving believing comes with the salvation not being forgiven because that's a done deal whether you believe it or not. That's why I say you can go to hell by being forgiven. It ain't got nothing to do with you, what you believe or in accepting it. It is a done deal. Salvation, on the other hand, yes, you must believe that of what Jesus did for salvation. You, you follow what I'm saying. Not forgiveness. You already been forgiven. Now you need to be saved. Until next time, this is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, real talk. I just finished this by saying, I want to say this and I'm going to say this often and often and often until it getting in your head and manifest in your heart. You do not have to be saved first to be forgiven according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. You must be reconciled back to God because God reconciled himself back to the world according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. See, the salvation part is what you need to do now. You need to believe what Jesus done, not who he was. You can't go to you go to hell believing that. You believe what he did for salvation. And what is that salvation? What is the belief? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? I love you all. God bless you all. Until next time, God bless you all. Stay tuned for some more teaching on forgiveness. God bless you. Love you all. Bye-bye. Peace out.
0: Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as...
1: As easy as pie?
0: Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or bin.
1: As easy as a stroll in the park.